is hard Every story is a bruise on my heart I wish that there was a host who could make jokes That would help me cope and that host's name is Aton He can take a dark subject, give it a light twist I was feeling upset, now I'm enlightened Is there in a function where I'll invite it And the vibe is someone died, get excited Champagne, it's a champagne shivers episode of Champagne Shiva uh, here today. I'm joined by Matt Vogel. Matt Vogel uh, works for, I'm not going to say which Jewish group, but works for a Jewish uh, group on uh, college campuses. Currently, he's at the University of Vermont, working with a Jewish group up in the University of Vermont. He's had over 20 years of uh, college uh, Jewish service under his belt, and he's coming on because there's been so much talk about anti-Semitism on college campuses. Uh, personally, and we'll say my kind of story with this, is that I always thought that the anti-Semitism reports on college campuses were overblown. Uh, and that's my own personal failure, you know, as a as a, a Jewish person who's grown up in a very Orthodox Jewish community, you know, frequently I think Jews have taken the concept of anti-Semitism and we've like weaponized it in a lot of ways. I will mm. say that uh, part of that weaponizing has been claiming stuff is anti-Semitic. It's what started Jewish or anti-Semitic. So, you know, whenever I would hear reports of like how bad things were on college campuses, you know, I was always like, yeah, we're a bunch of whiny Jews that are whining. You know, like I never took it like seriously, seriously. When I started to do Jewish or anti-Semitic and getting paid to go and perform them on, you know, to perform for colleges and primarily it's been for Jewish groups. You know, it's an eye-opening thing where it is an actually, it is a huge problem. And when October 7th happened, after October 7th, the problem got 50 billion times more complicated, uh, which is why I, I'm honored and happy to have uh, Matt on. Uh, Matt, how did you think of my opening? No, uh, <laughs> He nailed it. There you go. <laughs> Matt, knocked yeah. it out of the park um, to use the baseball reference because uh, yeah. uh, I love the Mets hat. You got to represent everywhere you go. Um, Listen, oh, I'm really are the Jewish people of, of baseball. You know, it is <laughs> as as a Chicago as a lifelong Chicago Cubs fan. I might beg to differ slightly because of our years of heartache and trauma. But uh, I, uh, I briefly was a Mets fan when I moved to New York. Actually, oh. I I decided okay, I'm I'm moving to the big city. It's time to choose my allegiances. I think the DH is for cheaters, so I'm not going to cheer for an AL team. I got to go for the local New York Mets team. I had an Oliver Perez jersey at one point in my life. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, baseball, okay, and uh, the Kushners are the enemies of Jews, so you know it goes full circle here. Uh, this is uh, what I'm talking about. How is in Vermont right now? What is the Jewish situation like up in uh, Burlington? I was on a conference call earlier today, and we were kind of asked the same exact question in a in a work context. And they said, uh, what's the one word you'd use to describe it? And uh, it's my daughter's 12th birthday today. Shout out to her. 
but uh she she was a huge my little pony fan back in the day i gotta qualify that by saying i was not the my little pony fan that's a whole other thing we don't want to get into but my kid was into it and um there was a word that i learned then that describes how i am right now it's nervous sighted it's half nervous half excited but I am feeling that simultaneously, like every day when I wake up to go into work. I was looking back through our, we've been, this semester, we've been tracking anti-Semitic incidences through our Hillel. Like we used to encourage students to report. We never did any internal tracking. Um, but students are uh, reporting to us more instances of anti-Semitism than I have ever heard at any point in my 20 one some odd year career on college campuses and you know i think they're reporting is happening uh a student was called the k-word and a jew bitch when they're walking on their way to the class jesus christ i know I, like, I, that... you usually have to be a tiktok creator to be called that the fact it's happening <laughs> you know a person i got what what a, is it always like verbal has anything ever like gone into the uh you know like the violence kind of side of it no, thank, thank God there's never been physical safety harmed against Jewish students. I mean, we obviously have the the horrible case of the three Palestinian students being shot in Burlington over Thanksgiving weekend just for walking down the street wearing keffiyehs. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that incident also on campus made everybody else in the community even more magnified where they they felt like words equal violence in a way that uh you know i've i've heard of that equivocated sometimes but especially over that weekend um jewish students organizations in town were really being drawn out and um blamed um by some people in the instagram comments i mean never read the comments is something i learned but um being blamed and saying that the organization jewish organizations in town had blood on our hands because of how these students were gunned down by a maniac in the streets. So the the line, what I've experienced from Jewish students is that when they experience anti-Semitism online, forget the example I just said of in person. I mean, that is beyond the pale, but that's a student reported that to me this week. I mean, that's real life for a 19 year old right now. Um, but this is a, I constantly think about it as, you know, you were thinking about, is it really that bad on campuses? And we have an entire generation of students who have spent two years being told that online learning and online social interaction is just as validating and just as real as in-person interactions. And so, therefore, when a Jewish student sees something anti-Semitic online or feels personally attacked, they feel that as real as when I was in sixth grade and someone put a Nazi swastika in my hoodie and said, go home, kike. Like that was real for me. And so these Jewish students today are experiencing that same sort of thing. It's just anti-Semitism in a different form. And that's the virus that that it is. It can thrive in any environment where it's allowed to tolerate. Yeah, I think it's interesting in that like I anti-Semitism has always been a little bit like this abstract, you know, as grants on the Holocaust survivors, you know, Jewish day school and everything like that. I, you're told about anti-Semitism frequently, and, it, and I, I think what led to me being like, yeah, this is kind of made up, is that fact that I've never really experienced it. But I also grew up, and everyone I knew was named uh, Miriam Lowenthal or Ari Goldberg, or, you know. <laughs> so I just, you're not, I'm at, not in the circles where, like, I would experience it, you know, even when I was living in New York. You know, even, I live in New York now. I do not, I, I say this with all pre-October 7th, but, like, I did not experience it in person. Like, did I ever see a swastika drawn on thing? 
sure I do but like you know it wasn't like it still felt to me like it was like very very overblown the thing that has changed since October 7th is now I'm seeing it in person all right. the time like I have seen Hasidic people like full-on physically attacked like just walking through Brooklyn um you know and it's, it's it is like a real thing where it's becoming a thing where for these kids you know this is a generation that I'm sure they've read the comment sections they've seen the comments you know, they see anti-Semitism online. What has it been like for them to start experiencing the stuff in person for the first time? I'm actually shocked by how resilient they are. And you would think like, you know, you've you've heard uh, Gen Z, these precious little snowflakes and everyone like can't have their feelings hurt. But there was a student who was publicly doxxed um, and uh, became a viral internet sensation, like 56 million views on the hate platform former bird now current hate platform um and this student is so resilient like just understood that um this is happening online and this is real but i would have been melting down like if this had happened to me and i'd like i could barely handle when there were like resignation protests um coming for me because of my role as a public figure in a jewish organization but like these students I, I couldn't be doing this work if it weren't for them because they're the ones that like keep me inspired. How did they get doxxed? And then what was it like, like after uh, it happened? Uh, they were doxxed because they spoke at a uh, city council meeting um, because the Burlington City Council two weeks ago had taken up a resolution supporting Palestinians, but then the last line of the resolution was condemning Israel for being an apartheid genocidal regime. So three whereases were very good. The fourth one was like, come on, like, did, did you really, did you really need to go there? Um, and so this student who's a local resident spoke out and then, um, you know how you know better than anybody like how things pick up on TikTok. like you're able to remix and cut out and take things out of context and it just blew up i mean it really really blew up um but i've been so instead of not mentioning it we kind of mentioned it and leaned into it and that's when the supporters really started to come out like people like you and i who like have a platform like we talk about this kind of stuff but you know bubbies from vermont started sending us babka and like we're getting inundated with like baked goods every day with these sweet kind cards because people saw it and understood how really bad it is and empathize with what these students are going through we're talking about like the nervous excitement like the nervousness my, my, my question was going to be where does the excitement part come from or like how do you have any like positive view of what's happening is that excitement like from things like the community standing up behind this kid? Yeah, I mean, like it definitely makes me feel not as alone heading into work of like, okay, I mean, we got 2,500 Jewish students we got to make sure can just live and thrive in safety without having to have their friendships ostracized because they once went to Israel for two weeks in the summer when they were 16 years old. And like that that's the heartbreaking thing for me is like, I know I can count on on one hand already just immediate instances of people who their roommates are amazing, amazing people. They love their roommates and yet they're supporting 
and resharing hate speech and things that are making these students feel attacked and like they can't be their full selves and like yeah the vibes are super good except for that one thing and that one thing is massive hey wait your your audio is a little off Aton. i don't know if yeah. oh my audio is off no it, it wasn't off off it was just like cutting in and out yeah, like a little uh, not a little not. Okay, well, give me one second here. I noticed it like once or twice before, but before you got any further, I wanted to call it out. We're still recording or not? I love the uh, nude Bernie and mittens behind you. Uh, <laughs> that's it's very uh makes me feel at home as a Vermonter. I'm seeing the <laughs> nude Bernie behind you. <laughs> great, can you hear me now? Oh yeah, that that's perfect. Okay, great, great, great. Okay, so um, what was the last thing we were talking about? Was uh, student? Oh, friendships. Yeah. Okay. So watching what so. Have you ever seen this before? So you said that like friendships are starting to deteriorate or deteriorate and everything like that. Uh, what was the school like for Jews on campus before October 7th? Uh, you know, like, was it just, was it more friendly? Like how was the University of Vermont campus for Jews before this? We actually had a, a, a window of time from April 3rd. And I know the exact date for the reason I'll tell you in a minute from April 3rd, until October 7th, it was calm. And I felt like we had moved past the worst of anti-Semitism on campus and worst of like just Jews not being present, spoken about. Like there are 130 D1 required courses. Uh, there's maybe one that includes Jewish content at UVM. So, um, you know, on one hand, so on, on April 3rd, the University of Vermont entered into a resolution with the federal government's Department of Education Office of Civil Rights because the UVM had a complaint filed against them for failing to uphold and protect Jewish students' rights um, repeatedly over the past few years. So they, f once that case became public, uh, the university very quickly resolved that with the government. And then on April 6th, um, UVM announced that they had identified the person putting up Goyam Defense League hate speech flyers on campus, that they were calling this person in and calling them out for putting up these hateful flyers. They'd known about it for a while, but they never publicly said anything until three days after the resolution. So it felt like after this big federal resolution came together, Jews were being protected and stood up for. And then October 7th, um, UVM was actually one of the first campuses to make a public statement and it was one that was actually decent and there were any number of awful statements that led us to all those capital hearings but UVM took a leadership role and they condemned terror at the outset and so you, you have this on one hand the university taking now post April 3rd taking a leadership role in changing their policy to support Jewish students on campus uh publicly saying that anti-Semitic speech is not acceptable. And they're doing these things publicly. They just issued a statement today um, discussing how they're holding an unpacking anti-Semitism workshop. They're holding a faculty panel on the Israel-Hamas conflict war. They're using all the right words and they're saying all the right things. And I'm still hearing students and parents saying, 
you need to say more. You need to constantly be calling out anti-Semitism or else it's allowed to fester. You, and I think you... that's two different things just to wrap up. Like that's how our organization differs from working with the university is they have their values and the way they respond. And I'm a Jew that has to call out anti-Semitism when I see it because it's in my DNA. So, yeah. For, for, a, a, for I guess because of the campus, UVM has had a history of like not handling this stuff well at all. Like, do you even trust them when they kind of come up and they're like, oh, we're doing all these anti-Semitism panels. We're doing this and we're doing that. Uh, like, do you trust that they are even the people that should be doing this? Like, do you trust that they are the ones that are going to do this correctly? I do because I have to have those, I have to have that level of trust in institutional partners. And when we're organization to organization, like it takes, it takes a tremendous amount to move an institution. And so I recognize that there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people in different, uh, like the, acad the academic landscape is faculty and staff and administration and senior administration and faculty unions. And then my organization's just like chilling on the side with halas and um, <laughs> anti-Semitic uh, fights protecting Jewish students. So like um, they're saying and doing the right things and we have to. And so that's why we're side by side with students when they report bias through the bias response form. And then we go to the AEO meetings with them and we look, UVM is figuring this out for the first time also. This is the first time ever in the history of the university where they have specifically had a policy that forbids discrimination based on shared ancestry, including anti-Semitism, anti-Arab discrimination and anti-Asian discrimination. Yeah. But they don't have a definition of what anti-Semitism is to be able to apply that. So we're in, I, I kind of feel like we're in uncharted waters is we have the federal government that's watching UVM's cases of bias for the next two years. And it's an institution slowly responding in the way that an institution does. But I, I will say they're doing and saying the right things in a way that they hadn't in previous years. You know, it's something, uh, a story that I heard uh, when I had visited campus a couple of uh, years ago, uh, or maybe it was less than that, uh, was about the SA uh, survivor, the SA march that they wouldn't let Hillel uh, people at. Um, talk to me about that for a second. And I just, was that ever resolved? Like, what was that whole story? Uh, the story was that um, when the 2021 Israel uh Gaza conflict broke out um a group that was uh dedicated to empowering SA survivors um issued a statement on their Instagram that said Zionists are not welcome in their space because the IDF rapes babies and all these other horrific accusations so Jewish women came to Hillel and said this feels like a gut punch the one the one place that we could be our true selves and be seen and validated, not on campus, but among our peers, now says I'm not welcome because you think I might be a Zionist. And not even, not not Jew, like they're very clear about what they're doing. They were able to say that, well, there are Jewish students on our board, so we're not anti-Semitic. And I... <laughs> I don't know. I go, I go way back and forth on that. And I'd, I'd be interested in hearing your take on it. Um, mm -hmm. because like, for me, my definition of anti-Semitism is if a Jewish person says it's anti-Semitic, it's anti-Semitic. Yeah. Like there shouldn't have to be any other standard of proof than my lived experience is telling me that this is hatred towards me. 
Yeah, I think you're able to tell if the vibes are off immediately. My issue with so many of the protests have been that I am so for protest. I think you should totally be able to protest. Like it's it is what And it you've is. been handling it really well. You've been really oh, treading. I want to get I want to give you some public shout out on that. Like you have I've been really stunned about how well you've been able to navigate your values and the right thing in this situation. Like yeah. I, 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 I but it's everyone should I don't know if this is a bias where I'm like, I got it right, but everyone should have, I don't know how the rallies and protests, you know, if it's not pro-Palestinian, if it doesn't involve anger towards Hamas also has been my entire, you know, thesis statement through this entire thing where I think that Netanyahu sucks. I think that he is awful. He in so many ways put us in this situation. I think his policies in a lot of ways put us in this situation. And then I also think that Hamas is a full-on terrorist organization who doesn't help, you know, aside from the fact that they don't offer any actual social services or anything to the people that they are in charge of, they they take the money that they've been given and they have one, you know, they have one goal with it, and that is to like shoot missiles over at Israel. Kill Jews. So kill Jews. You know, so I think that like my stances on this have always been like, if you're not calling out both sides on it, then you don't actually want any real, if you are just calling out Hamas, then you don't like Palestinians. Sorry. Like it just, if you're calling them out and then you're not also calling out just how shitty the situation has been with them for like, you know, for years and years and years, yep. then I think it just comes across hollow. And then on the same side, on the reverse side of that, you know, when Palestinian protests happen and they claim they're very pro-Palestinian, but the second you bring up you know, wanting to get rid of Hamas for the safety of the Palestinians there, you know, it's like an immediate like, oh, but the IDF and it's like, okay, but the IDF what? Like they both are, you know, I don't trust the Netanyahu war and I don't trust Hamas. So that's where I'm at. That's why the posts like kind of tend to be uh, where they're going to be. I, I think it's very hard for people to, it's such a complicated situation. I think people are so afraid of potentially voicing um inaccurate uh stances or takes or something so it it prevents people from you know wanting to speak out in a more moderate tone and you know it, it definitely you know forces tribalism and that's a huge issue and you know when we talk about college campuses like college campuses listen i love college kids they're very energized. You know, they're very, it's a very emotional uh, time in your life. It's, it's very passionate people and passionate people very rarely take on moderate stances. And I think that that is something that I, I, you know, what would it be like if someone at UVM, you know, like the Hillel at UV, sorry, the, the, any, any Jewish. Uh, that's all right. That, yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> any Jewish group at UVM, you know, like, you know, okay, here's, here's my question. UVM has obviously had a very specific relationship to the Jewish community at, you know, at UVM. What has it been like for Islamic, you know, and the Muslim students at, at UVM? I, I probably just want to lead with like, it would be, um, it would be inaccurate for me to describe it because I'm not them. Totally, and totally. I, I know I totally, you, you get that also. Um, but what I've heard in, and what I've read in the statements that they put out on Instagram is they also feel completely invisible to the university, that the university is not responding to their concerns. And yet they are like there's currently today there's um, they were just promoting a Arab and Muslim healing circle. 
Um, and I had some irate alumni reach out to me and say, well, what about the Jewish healing circle? And I was like, well, we one, they can have their own healing circle. We don't yeah. have to be a part of it. And UVM did provide that through counseling and professional services for us and the Jewish community last semester. So you're right that like when you, you look at it from the outside, you can see that tribalistic split and really want to get in there on it. Yeah. But Hill, Hillel's role has always been to be that pluralistic, everyone is welcome. You might not want to be part of the tent, but our tent is always open. And yeah. I think that's that was... um. That was one of the harder lessons I had to learn as a Jewish professional is like, I might want to create the most welcoming, inclusive, open environment that I can, but not everyone's going to want to be a part of that. And I ultimately had to be okay with that. <laughs> I, you know, what's interesting is that like, uh, my, you know, when the Harvard president had to resign and everything, uh, you know, that very famous Senate committee where she made comments about how Jew, about how on campus it wasn't out of the student code of conduct to you know say awful things about the Jews and um, call for genocide against the Jews. I remember that people were angry that she had been forced to resign, but my entire point for it has always been she had to resign because everyone has felt like they had been you know that they had a raw deal. The Islamic mm. students, the Palestinian students. The people that were pro-Palestinian on Harvard campuses also, you know, it's seemingly they they claiming that they've been threatened and there's no reason. I have no reason to believe that they are lying when they say that they are threatened. And, you know, you see what happened with the Burlington students who were shot. Like there is actual safety concerns out there. I don't think that these presidents and these you, you, the you know, the college people who are in charge of making these places safer for students do a good job, which is why I was very pro her being removed, not because of what she said about the Israel, uh, and only 50% of, of because what she said about the Jewish, you know, genocide thing, but also because of just how unsafe she it seemingly had made the campus, um, you know, for Harvard. I know you can't talk about that because that you're not in Harvard or anything like that. But when you see stuff like the committee uh, hearing happening, do you think that that was like an overblown you know, Senate committee, do you think the response to it of people saying that she shouldn't have stepped down? Uh, do you think that was overblown? What's your kind of like take on that? I mean, I think isn't any Senate, any Senate committee hearing overblown? Like yesterday, okay. Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg stood up and apologized to families like that's like using his uh, grandstanding. It's all part of that. And, you know, when I when I think about those three university presidents, because it was the three of them, I blame the law firm that prepped them. I don't necessarily blame the people that were there. Like they took the advice. They weren't just going in there saying, okay, like I know what I'm doing. They followed, all three of them followed the script. They just got various uh, levels of blowback from that. The script was entirely wrong. And that's, you know, they still delivered the message. They still ultimately are responsible for their words and actions, but um, was the script wrong or was it just they, they said the, the part, the the part no one was saying out loud, you know, like is it, well, these the campuses seemingly are like not great. Like it seems it sucks to be a kid on college campuses now. Like that is what everyone that I ever that we talk to about college. You know, I, you're you're on college campuses, so you know more now. But from the outside looking in, it looks terrifying for everyone involved. Like is that overblown? The only thing that will ever move a university to action is if its own policies are violated and it can be seen in such a clear light that the university is not adhering to its own policies and standards. Everything else 
besides policy doesn't really move the needle. It, it won't change anything. The feelings, the protests, the blah, like anything, even the hearings wouldn't move the needle until it's down to policy. And that's where we're missing right now is these organizations that we're just starting to see, like hold the campuses accountable to their own policies. That's all we're asking. That's all Jewish students have been asking is like, please, God, just treat us like any other student group on campus of any color, of any, like, it could be the UVM Timber Sports Club, it could be the Outing Club, like, if we are experiencing bias, just treat us the same. Mm. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, Jews don't count when it comes to that. And I, I like, that's, an, da, 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 that's anti-Semitism. Like, <laughs> on CBS. Right. Oh, I, I, I want to kind of like pivot back to something we were talking about earlier, just like the relationships amongst the students uh, who are on two very, very opposite sides where it seems like everything else that they, they have in common, everything else, you know, they're similar age. They're probably all like, you know, Olivia Rodrigo, uh, you know, but they have this that... one. You don't know Olivia Rodrigo? Dude, I have three kids under the age of 12. <laughs> like, I'm maybe, I don't know. Oh, they love Olivia Rodrigo. You don't even know. Olivia I Rodrigo don't. could sway an election if she wanted to. That's uh, what I would describe Olivia oh, Rodrigo right. as. But they all, they all have similar things. They all like the same kind of things. What has it been like, you know, interpersonal relationships among students? Like, I know that you said, like, that it's tough if, like, one thing is wrong. But, like, are you seeing, like, an actual kind of, like, seismic shift? Are you seeing, like, people start to walk in groups versus, you know, being more inclusive for everybody? Or has that always just been kind of the case, uh, you know, for college campuses? Huh. Yes, I'm seeing students walk in groups more now, like especially the students that were being harassed during the time they were harassed, like they wouldn't leave their floor without one of their friends accompanying them. Um, but take me back to the question. I lost train of thought for a second. Oh, it's just like, you know, you're seeing. Oh, the friendships. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like they're you have these really forced living environments in college also where every interpersonal uh, interaction is so much more magnified because they've never lived with anybody besides their parents and their family. Now they're living with complete strangers. But I know there was an example last semester of an Israeli student living in a suite with three other students and came home one day from class to find a sign that said Zionist not welcome. Like this yeah. kid is Israeli, may or may not be a Zionist, but what what kind of signal is that i think and... i think also yeah i think the term zionist also it's like i something i've been grappling with lately is that i got called zionist genocider a lot like it just as oh we you all, and me both as we all do you know it is <laughs> it's a weekend hobby would i consider it my main thing no you know but uh you know like i i i question everyone's definition of zionist it's so completely off at this point where like it used to be Zionist was just like pro-Israel. So on one side of it, it's, you know, on the pro-Israel side, like the types of people or like the communities that call themselves proud Zionists, they tend to be a little bit more extreme. It just is what it is. Yep. It, you know who calls themselves Zionists? Like not just like the people living in Jerusalem, but the settlers, you know, out in the West Bank who like, you know, go into, it just, it is what it is. On the reverse side of that, the people that are Zionist, the, the people that the pro-Palestinian side, the pro-Gaza side, or whatever you want to call it, the way that they term Zionists is anyone that shows any support at all, even a little bit for Israel. Myself, 
I am anti-niche on Yahoo. I don't trust all of the war effort that is happening. I don't trust on anyone. I don't trust anyone, let alone. <laughs> BTA is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, no one, get, listen, everyone's getting a smackdown when it comes to me. No, uh, it, it, it is, I, I don't trust just raw news. I just don't trust it. So what does that put me? If I am anti-Netanyahu, if I am anti what the news that comes out of this war, I don't fully trust it, but still, but still believe in Israel. You can't paint me with the same tooth with the same paintbrush that you're painting the settler attacks. You know, Biden right before we came on air, Biden announced that he was uh, sanctioning. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, you know, Palestinian violence in the West Bank, which, like, yep. yes, like, thank God, like this is a massive fucking issue that not enough. Pro-Israel people are talking about where the settler yeah. violence, which is absolutely deplorable and kills innocent people, is a mm -hmm. thing that all Jews should have a huge like issue against. If I'm saying that, am I a fucking Zionist? Like, where label me? You know what I mean? I, no, I, like I can. I you are in the mainstream of Jewish American thought these days. Like that is where that is where Jewish people are. That is not where Jewish organizations are, but oh. the mass of Jewish people that's where they are. Like. They have empathy for Palestinians and Israelis and victims of terror and have the historical knowledge to know that this isn't just something that bubbled up since October 7th. And they understand there was a ceasefire on October 6th, but that also comes in the context of years of oppression and everything else around it. And so what what's different from you than 95% of the other people on campus is that you're able to talk about it. Because you, because of, I mean, you're, you're, you're a Jewish public figure. So like, you're able to lean into that. And you also have a level of confidence in being a public performer and a comedian where you're able to like, have that presence. And for these young adults who are learning how to say these things out loud for the first time at the risk of losing friends, yeah. remember again, like going back to COVID that we completely gloss over as a society. <laughs> what COVID? Yeah, yeah I know. You, you wonder why nobody ever talks about the Spanish flu. Now I know why nobody ever talks about the Spanish flu. But like, these were also people who only had a few friends. And so how heartbreaking would that be to lose one of your few friends over one issue? Just one issue. But the this is the issue that can be tearing people apart. It's why, it's why people are flooding Hillel's during the day and going to Chabad for Shabbat because they just want a place where they can let their shoulders down, take their star out of their shirt, and maybe like laugh about the Holocaust or something like ridiculous around other Jews. Like we do, we laugh, we cry, we eat, like repeat. Yeah. That's, that's what people are looking for. So like when you describe your political ideology, that's what I hear from the majority of people, but yeah. that's not what we read about because that's just not where it is. But I think you're in line with, with the A vast lot of people. With a lot of people, and it's our responsibility as leaders of institutions to make sure our institutions reflect places that people want to come into. Yeah. I, I uh, Last question kind of here as we're winding down the conversation. How does it get better? Like, do you, if five years from now, do you see uh, college campuses uh, in general and UVM, like, do you see them improving the situation for students or do you see it kind of like staying the same? And if it's improved, how does it improve? I actually see it being improved um, because people are talking about it. And in my 20 some odd years on college campuses, we weren't talking about it at this level. We were talking about anti-Israel. We were talking about, you know, the question of what to do in the Middle East. We were talking about anti-Semitism, but 
for a university to grapple with this, for the United States government to have a national strategy to counter anti-Semitism, these are all things that exist now that never existed before. Mm. So in, if I'm projecting out five years, if there are five years of a national strategy to counter anti-Semitism and these things are actually being played out, it's not going to go away. Like anti-Semitism is with us forever as a humanity. But I firmly believe that the more you talk about it, the more you, Louis Brandeis, shine a light on it, that causes it to wither. It's why I wanted, it's why I like, on one hand, I want to talk about pro wrestling all the time. I don't want to talk about anti-Semitism, but I have to, I have to, I have to like, I, I texted you earlier in the week, like having massive spilkies about coming on this podcast and talking about it publicly, but like, yeah. it's my Jewish DNA, like people are suffering. Jewish hatred exists. It will not go away if we pretend that it doesn't. We have to keep talking about it. Yeah, I think I, to me, everything you said is like, it's so, I, I do think that things are going to get better. I do like that it's being talked about more. Something weirdly I, I noticed on my own personal feeds and everything was that over the past couple of weeks, I've been seeing a lot more people uh, be a little bit more nuanced and be like a little bit more like, uh, hostage releasey. I'm seeing hostage releasey yeah. kind of stuff more. Like people are starting to pick up on, you know, releasey. You got to be a little bit releasey. Uh, <laughs> a little releasey. Just a teeny bit, but like you're seeing more people pick up on how this is complicated, how this isn't like, you know, how this is the world's most complicated question and that there are both sides to this. And I think that is something that in the October 7th through, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was one way. And I think that hopefully over the next couple of, especially as we kind of hopefully end this war and everything uh, tamps down, uh, you know, we see more people that know both sides that are able to show empathy and compassion and talk about uh, this situation, showing that there's more than one group of people that are getting screwed over here. Just right now, one group of people is getting really screwed over. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Well, really well said. Matt Vogel. Um, thank, thank you. So you. Uh, do you mind if I uh, give a quick plug for my yeah, wrestling? Quickly, podcast? quickly. I like wrestling. ILW pod. Thanks folks. Woo. You got it in under. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop recording. Man, appreciate it.